This show is about your mental health. While it's supported by the pillars of positivity and hope, if you find yourself in crisis, please reach out for help. In many communities in both the United States and Canada, you can dial 211 to be connected to mental health and crisis services in your region. While it may seem like it at times, you are not alone. You've heard me say several times in this podcast that you are your own mental health advocate. While you can't provide therapy to yourself or prescribe medication, there are things you can do to make a huge difference. For instance, splashing alternating hot and cold water on certain parts of your body sends signals to your brain to calm down. I've tried it. It works. Stress and anxiety are the enemy, and we are drawing up your mental health battle plan right now on The Happy Molecule. He is one of Canada's foremost experts on alternative health and all things holistic. I'm also glad to say he's one of my dearest friends, despite the hat he wears. We can talk about that some other time. Uh, I can always count on him for answers and for that positivity that we all so desperately need. How are you, Bryce Wild? How are you, my good friend? What hat are we referring to, by the, the way? The one that makes you look like a cab driver. <laughs> so it's called, a, I can call it by a number of different names, but... Uh, uh, the Daily News hat, the Poor Boy hat. Um, yeah. I ha- have a collection of them, so it's not a singularity. It's actually... <laughs> you have more uh, than one. I- I've got about 30 now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, we are going to help people prepare a battle plan because there are so many different little life hacks, so many different supplements, so many different things you can do to help your mental health, to help combat loneliness, that we're going to try and go through as many of them. And these are just things that you can do in your daily life. Absolutely. I, I, I feel like it's illegal to withhold this information at this time. I think we, everyone needs to understand these are beyond biohacks and little tips. These are life-changing, hopefully, uh, you know, some information that people can use on the daily that's not going to break your bank. And it's also nothing that you need to worry about insofar as difficulty level. Anyone and everyone can do Um, most, if not all, of the things that we're going to share today. I don't think people realize to what extent they can control the systems inside their body. So if you talk about controlling your heart rate, controlling your pulse, uh, whatever, it's like, can I actually do that? And uh, take into consideration your health is an investment, not an expense. And what I mean by that as well is monetarily or financially, as well as time commitment. But absolutely, to your point, Kev, Health is often, you know, misregarded as sort of an external, you know, superficial, how do we look physically? Um, It's from within out, whether it's mental, emotional health or your liver or your gut. Um, By the way, I have a challenge that I often ask my uh, patients, do you literally and figuratively have the guts to be healthy? And what I mean by that is the desire, the stamina to go from good to better, or perhaps you're a health seeker and you're looking to actually solve a health problem. Or if you're a wellness seeker, again, that's sort of good to better. Because we can all, Kev, we can all be better. So here's how I can be better. I can listen to my own uh, rhetoric, if you will, and I cannot drink coffee after about one o'clock. Why? Because I'm often telling people that it can, it can just over push the adrenal glands. I'm indulging right now because I've only had one today. Uh, and I metabolize it very quickly, genetically speaking. But I'm indulging because I wanted to get a little bit fired up for your show, not that I needed anything more than you uh, as a host plugging <laughs> questions. But. I think this is a great place to start. Let's start with coffee. It's the way that a lot of us start our day. We've heard, don't drink it. The caffeine will 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 really drive your stress up the wall. Drink it. Uh, it does help you. Um, I know for me, I look forward to my coffee, not so much for the addiction of the caffeine, but I look forward to that time because when I have my coffee, it's a sit down time. It's a breathing time. It's almost ritualistic. I agree. So here's the, here's the deal. This is recent research, by the way, at a Harvard university, coffee is absolutely healthy for you. Once again, in moderation, Kev off camera, I just told you as we both shared our uh, cup of Joe, Coffee must be taken uh, organically. So make sure you switch from a non-organic if you're out there drinking uh, non-organic coffee. Why? Because it's heavily pesticide laden. They use in, uh, in, in the coffee industry a lot of pesticides to control the bugs. So organic gets rid of that, certified organic, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, and, and, and that has a significant impact on the brain, Kevin. And of course, ultimately then downstream how we experience emotions, our brain controls that 
uh, ability to experience emotion. So if it's trying to deal with toxicity like pesticides, it's not going to do as good of a job. Decaf? After one o'clock, you know, so a lot of folks have but a no, problem. But no, what I'm saying though is, is decaf. I've heard decaf is not good for you. Well, yeah, because of the way they process, right? The way they decaffeinate is actually an aluminum uh, processing. Uh, so some aluminum is left, just like wearing the underarm deodorant that carries too much aluminum with it. And that, of course, is also neurotoxic. So yeah, organic, non-decaffeinated, two to three cups. Let's call it no more than 300 milligrams of caffeine a day. But caffeine confers a lot of health benefit as well. No, not a lot of people have caffeine's been vilified. Let's go there to start. Caffeine is good for you within a dose restriction of about 300 milligrams for the average body size. Also, you, you know yourself. How much I mean, is you know in a cup of coffee? You know that if you're the individual coffee? who drinks a cup of coffee. How much is the in a cup of coffee? Of co this one right here, this average size cup of coffee is about 80 milligrams. 80 milligrams so, in a cup. Okay, so 300 right. max a day. You got okay. it. All right, let's start talking about waking up. Let, let's talk about first thing in the morning. Habits we can get into, things we can do that benefit our mental health. Waking up, you told me about something that I actually tried. And that is when you're taking your morning shower, you're taking something called a contrast shower. And I can let you explain because I'd never heard of this. Well, I want to hear what your, uh, what your experience was with it, of course, momentarily. But it, what it is, is ultimately, um, it, the science of it is a stimulation of your vagus nerve. It's a very deep branch nerve that goes from your brain all the way through all kinds of visceral systems, your gut. It's in charge of like a gut feeling, so to speak, or mm -hmm. butterflies in your tummy, that, that kind of thing. And the stress response, very much in charge of a lot of these experiences. But let's talk about how to do this first. Contrast is getting into your shower, enjoying your shower, the five or 10 minutes, whatever you take to clean yourself. At the end, the four minutes at the end, you're gonna turn that dial as hot as you can without scorching or burning your skin, of course, but almost to the degree that it's uncomfortable hot, right? For one minute. Then you're gonna turn the dial as cold as the pipes will bring it. And then, and that's for one minute. It's very uncomfortable, but take a focus of where the water hits you in your face and on your chest, because that's where the vagus nerve is you know, most innervating uh, on the topical, on the skin level. And then you're gonna turn the water uh, dial or the, the, the dial back to hot again for one minute. And then you're gonna finish off on cold, as cold as you can manage, as cold as the dial will go. So it's one minute each contrast, hot, cold, hot, cold, finish on cold. This is gonna stimulate and invigorate you and, and, and mood shifts, the energy levels shift. Well, I mean, let, let me ask you, Kev, I mean, how did, what was your experience? Okay, I'm a wimp. So I can't get it uncomfortably hot. I can't get it uncomfortably cold. I tried my darndest. However, and I'm also going to add, I don't like water on my face. So I, I, I aimed it towards my chest. However, having said that, and, and trying to get as hot as I could stand it, as cold as I could stand it, I noticed, yes, I noticed a little bit more invigorated at the end of the shower. And I know that if I can keep trying, I'll get better at it. I anticipate that, that it, will get, it will get even better. So that's the end game, all right? So let's call it the end game. Where I want everyone to start if they feel like that's too uncomfortable is spend more time at the sink, having just brushed your teeth, splashing your face with freezing cold water. Not once, not twice, but okay. aim for about 10 times. That'll get you almost as good of an effect. Great, okay, that's a great idea. That I can do, that I can do. Okay, that, that is a great tip. Am I going to have breakfast as soon as I get up? Am I going to have a big breakfast? What am I going to eat for breakfast? Again, the, the science on this seems to change year after year after year. Well, the science, especially around mental, emotional health, mood regulation, even energy production and regulation, really at the crux of it, the root of it, it's all based in blood sugar control, glucose balance, okay, technically is the term. In fact, if you want to ask your doctor to check your levels of glucose or sugar over time, Ask them not only for glucose, blood glucose, which is testable, but that's kind of like the last day. Ask them to look at uh, glycosylated hemoglobin or HbA1c. This A1c molecule is ultimately looking at what your sugar averages over the last three months. So to, perf or to get that as good as it could possibly be, which is gonna impart again on good energy, good mood regulation, good emotion um, is to impart or, or, or to, to start uh, doing what's called intermittent fasting. Uh, the, the science is showing that intermittent fasting, no matter what your diet is, by the way, 
no matter if you're sort of carb low or you're doing paleo or you're doing you know, uh, carnivore or vegan, doesn't matter. Intermittent fasting means you create a window of when you're going to eat food, when you're gonna supply food to your body. That window, science suggests, ideally is eight hours. Mm -hmm. So you choose your eight hour feeding window. Kev, it could be from 10 to six or 12 to eight, but nothing before, nothing after is going to be incredible at balancing sugar and therefore amazing at uh, mood and emotional regulation. So should I have a big breakfast if it's within that so window? breakfast is out. So I guess what I'm getting at, so, so breakfast, you know, the tr it translates in the word, in the English word, Latin derivative, break fast, yeah. meaning to stop the fast. Your breakfast or your breaking of the fast can happen whenever you want it, but don't eat after that, that eight-hour window, so window expires. So I, what I try and do, and I have tried the intermittent fasting, is, is I try and, and time it so that it, I need my breakfast. And I okay. have a and I have a big breakfast. I have usually okay. uh, my normal breakfast is when I first get up, uh, and it is two eggs, oatmeal, a uh, bit of fruit, and probably some yogurt. Love it. So my first point about that, by the way, is let's talk about real quick this whole egg myth. <clears throat> there is as much protein in the yolk as there is in the white. There's no point in having egg whites. You're missing all of the amazing carotenoids, the lutein, zeaxanthin, and all the other vitamins and minerals found in your yolk. I also heard that, that uh, egg yolks are good for vitamin D, which we desperately need. They have some vitamin need. D, and they're yeah. not nearly as much as we need where we live here yeah, north but, of 40 degrees, yeah. but certainly they, there's a little bit in there, um, it, it, especially when the chicken, it's a bright yellow yolk. You can really tell the difference in the organic, free-range, truly free-range yolks. Uh, because when it's that bright yellow, that deep, rich yellow, you know the carotenoids and the lutein and the zeaxanthin, it's all in there because they're eating grubs, not just grain. They're, they're foraging. Uh, that, that is to say the chickens. But I love it. I love your breakfast. I love what it contains. A lot of beta-glucans, uh, very immune-stimulating in the oats. Uh, you've got your yogurt to help with establish the good gut bacteria. You've got the eggs, amazing for your brain. Choline as well, by the way in the yolk uh, and phosphatidylserine, which is gonna help brain neural connection. But here's what my question is to you. What time is breakfast? Uh, usually around nine o'clock. Nine o'clock, all right. So you're not gonna eat after five. That's the restriction. Mm -hmm. Then you're intermittent fasting, Kev. That's okay. the idea. What about not having breakfast? Not having something when you get up? There's no, the, the, the evidence in nutrition, there's no, um, you know, you're not doing your body any disservice. You're not harming it by skipping breakfast. Once again, it's, it's, it's almost, it, it doesn't, re the reason why a lot of folks, you know, do the intermittent fasting protocol later in the day and they skip the breakfast, breaking the fast, is because it's a lot more comfortable. The average person is not, the average male or female adult is not going to bed until uh, the earliest, 10 or 11, maybe even midnight. So it's very uncomfortable for most to go from five o'clock on your schedule to midnight without snacking. And the second you snack, the second you have anything, I don't care if it's a health food, a fruit or a vegetable, you stop converting energy over into, uh, from, uh, mm. from uh, carbohydrates or proteins or fats into glucose and you, uh, sorry, into, from ketones into glucose. So what you wanna do is keep ketones uh, going and that's the alternative way the body uses energy and that's so brain and, and uh, healthy. It's so body healthy. Reg regulating and balancing sugar is the name of the game. Creating an eight hour window, science shows, is the name of the game. If you go from your nine o'clock to five o'clock, it's a lot easier to slip up on the protocol. I, th I don't think a lot of people realize how bad sugar is. We know it's bad for obesity but how bad it is for your mental health. Most Pro of us also processed think, sugar. Mo yeah, processed food. So let, let's, let's include that in the category. So again, whether it's white refined table sugar, the story doesn't end there. What we're talking about is pasta, cakes, cookies, breads. Any, by the way, we look at sugar uh, and, and not just the caloric index, but the glycemic index and the glycemic load. It's a little bit too you know, sort of rich and technical to get into the details here, but let's just assume it's basically overly simplified. You ingest a food, the speed at which it gets into the bloodstream, it affects that A1C count that I was talking to you about earlier, right? So that glycemic index in foods, that happens in healthy foods as well, um, such as watermelon juice. I mean, that's something that's ultra processed. You get rid of the fiber. It's basically sugar. It's fructose, fruit, sugar, that's going to enter your bloodstream super quickly. But so does pastas and cakes and cookies and refined carbohydrates, breads, because by the way, and that glycemic index, sugar is a hundred. In some ultra refined white breads, 
sugar can be up to 110. So a higher glycemic index, the speed at which it's going to go from your stomach into your duodenum, first segment of your intestine, into your blood, is higher than sugar itself. Wow. Oh, and man. you're right. And it impacts the brain. It, it throws off our neurotransmitters. It does give you a little bit of a jolt of something called serotonin, um, you know, the secondary happy molecule. Dopamine is the best, most primary reward happy molecule, hence the happy molecule. Oh, um, I've heard but, of it. But, 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 but white sugar and refined carbohydrates actually lights up our brain, certain aspects of our brain, exactly, exactly like cocaine believe it or not. Wow. I've heard it is as addictive as cocaine. In fact, more addictive than cocaine. Okay, folks, we are going to get to supplements and vitamins, et cetera, but I want to keep that on its, into its own little segment in a few minutes. I want to continue on just sort of like with a day-to-day -day living of, of what we can do, just little choices we can make. And I think that's important when it comes to mental health because we make a big choice. It can be tougher to, to turn into a habit. Whereas if we can make a bunch of little choices, sometimes just a little bit easier, little baby steps. So we're gonna go to the grocery store and we're gonna go to the produce aisle to begin with. What are, for, when it comes to mental health, what should I be looking for in that produce aisle? So the richest, I don't want anyone listening to this. In fact, let me change that verbiage. I want everybody listening to this podcast to ensure that they are eating a rainbow of fruits and vegetables mm -hmm. every day. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple. Um, I, and I'm not trying to patronize anyone out there, but those are all the colors of the rainbow. Make sure your fridge is full of them. If you've got children, get your children to help you audit the fridge and remember and remind you when, let's say, purple is out. By the way, purple is the best and most healthy for the brain. Okay, uh, so purple, I mean, eggplant comes to mind. Yeah, what dark else is grapes, blueberries. I mean, blueberries okay. are called blue, but they're really purple. Any of that dark, rich, blue-purple pigmentation. So even red onions count as purple. Oh, uh, if okay. you look at them, it's, it's a violet kind of color. They're not really red, are they? Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, so, so you're going to do that audit, and you can choose your favorite. If it's, you know, eggplant's more of the skin, but it counts if you leave the skin on. Um, you know, uh, purple cabbage is a perfect example. Lots of, you know, detoxification uh, ingredients found within called indole-3-carbinol. The idea, though, is that even the government, even the government, USD, like the federal government of the U.S. and Canada, both stipulate that for minimum health levels, we should be consuming six to seven servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. That means six minimum of all fruits. It's a half a cup and six for vegetables. I'll tell you something, my rule of thumb is when the government makes regulations or recommendations rather uh, toward health uh, recommendations, you wanna double it. You wanna double that. If they're saying exercise for 30 minutes, you wanna go an hour. If they're saying six servings of fruits and vegetables, you want 12. That's my rule of thumb. That not, it, it, at the very minimum, a whole you know, brightly colored fruits and vegetables, organic if and when possible, look at the environmental working group for which ones are the most important because not all uh, fruits and vegetables are important to get organic. So save a few bucks uh, by looking at the environmental working group um, list of the dirty dozen and the clean 15. Um, and so, and, and the other thing Kev to, to keep in mind is in that sort of uh, ritual of, of looking for foods that are sort of, let's even call them medicinal or therapeutic is let's think about boosting dopamine. So dopamine, the happy molecule, the reward molecule is boostable, if that's even a word, by diet. And, and, and you, how you boost it is by looking for tyrosine, which is an amino acid, L-tyrosine rich foods, because in the brain and the nervous system, tyrosine actually converts into dopamine. Ah. Here's, an, here's a little story. This is the most interesting story for me when it comes to nutrition and food and boosting dopamine. This stuff right here, fava beans, you can, you can include this in a fagioli, which is kind of like a Italian type pot, uh, soup uh, with rice and, and beans and all kinds of vegetables. Some other Easy way, by the way, to get all those vegetables and fruits in that I talked about is to make one salad, one smoothie, one shake. I call it triple S. If you do your triple S every day, you're getting more. Uh, than one a, salad, uh, one smoothie, one shake. And one smooth, one salad, one smoothie, and one uh, soup. One soup, soup, sorry, yes. Yep, so triple S protocol. So, so, so fava beans have so much tyrosine and even levodopa in them that they're actually contraindicated in Parkinson's disease. That means if somebody has got Parkinson's, they shouldn't eat this. Why? 
because they're generally speaking going to be taking levodopa, the drug that helps to manage mm -hmm. Parkinson's. What's levodopa doing? It's boosting dopamine. So it's contraindicated because then all of a sudden you're giving that patient with Parkinson's too much dopamine if they consume fava beans. So there's also ricotta cheese. Um, you know, there's, uh, by the way, this is a, a, a healthy and tasty snack that can also boost your iodine levels. Most of us in North America, just like magnesium, we're low in iodine, but they're those crispy little sea snacks. They're made of seaweed. That's a wonderful boost of, uh, of dopamine rich tyrosine, uh, rich food. And then there's chicken. Um, you know, chicken's got quite a, a significant amount of, of dopamine, certain seafoods, you know, and there's some other common, you know, foods and ingredients that we're familiar with, like edamames, which are soybeans, make sure that those are uh, cooked and often fermented um, healthier that way, as well as chicken. Everyone's familiar with chicken, organic if possible. Um, and if you want to look this up, the dopamine diet, I mean, Dr. Oz and I did a uh, segment not too long ago, but all the different foods you can incorporate that are L-tyrosine rich in order to boost that dopamine. We all love those pre-made chickens, uh, the ones that are already heated, ready to go. We bring it home. Give me the verdict on that. Listen, you described it. What are they? They're pre-made. Not sure. They're mystery meat often, and they're ready to go. Those two factors right there, I don't need to know more about that food uh, to know for sure it's processed. If food is processed, and I don't mean that you have to go into your backyard and pick your organic vegetables and rely on that as the only salad you can ever eat. But you know the chicken I'm talking about. The, one, the ones that are already, they, they're chicken. They're the full chicken that you get. Oh, at those. The, at oh sure. No, sorry. What, so here's what I don't love about those. Okay. Th th there are some that are organic and free range. And if you can find those, wonderful. But my caveat to those is that they sit in a heated environment for quite, uh, it could be hours uh, to maybe the day. I know that probably they mm. don't last in that uh, grocery store for longer than the day but they're, they're sitting in a, in a questionable quality plastic. You know, I don't love that because that, when there's oil and there's heat uh, and, and there's, there's, there's um, this is a perfect environment for that plastic, plasticizers, not just BPA, all kinds of other plasticizers to leak into that meat. Okay, so let's move from the produce uh, aisle and now from the meat aisle, let's talk about dairy. Uh, milk uh, has been taken off the Canada Food Guide good bad yeah no i love the revision i think the reason you know logic around that is ultimately you know a lot of people were sort of duped into believing you have to consume milk that glass of milk in order to attain your calcium um, a lot of foods have also been inoculated with good for you in ingredients like calcium and vitamin d uh, you'll never get enough you can't eat yourself to therapeutic levels is my bottom line you'll never get enough vitamin d from food or calcium from uh, from, from dairy. If I were to take a glass of milk, by the way, and send it to a laboratory and say, test this for calcium levels, it's going to come back very high. But how when we ingest it, and then it translates into absorbed bioavailable calcium, not so much at all. So the, the bone sort of schematic doesn't no longer applies. But 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 I'm glad. So a couple of reasons scientists start to realize that about, you know, 55 or more percent of the world are lactose intolerant. So there's an intolerance, a sensitivity to consuming um, this particular uh, ingredient. Uh, and so it's not really conferring the benefit from the calcium side uh, that we always thought. Plus, it's causing a lot of folks to have irritable bowel syndrome, probably not so good for their overall health. Maybe we shouldn't be advising it. People aren't drinking enough water, by the way. And when they don't drink enough water and they're underhydrated, that will seriously affect mood uh, and energy level. So I don't like dairy in general. There's two things I don't like in general because it causes extreme issues with the majority of the population. And that's gluten containing foods. So that's, of course, wheat, barley, rye, some oats, if they're cross contaminated, um, and spelt. Spelt's very high in gluten. So it's not a health food. It might sound like one, but it's very high in gluten. So kick that out of your diet. That affects the brain and the thyroid, by the way. So a lot of folks that are gluten intolerant also had mood dysfunction. It contributes towards schizophrenic outbreaks. It doesn't cause schizophrenia. It's not what I'm saying, but it causes the body to respond immunologically in a way that can trigger a schizophrenic episode. Uh, so that's well documented. And uh, I, the exception to the rule with dairy, so dairy should be out except for a couple of, uh, a couple of things. Pecorino cheese or some of the non-cow, uh, um, uh, uh, so these are pecorinos from goat. They mm -hmm. eat a lot of this in Sardinia, where a lot of uh, centenarians live, people that go beyond 100. So pecorino cheese, a hard cheese, a wonderful flavor, in my opinion. Lots of omega-3 found in that as well. 
And uh, yogurt, because yogurt often contains, especially Balkan style Greek yogurt, contains a lot of the stuff that's good for our gut. Yeah. Uh, olive oil. Uh, you said something that, that, that sort of reminded me of olive oil, uh, probably when, when we were talking about Sardinia. Um, yeah, we, it, we, it, all, need, sometimes we gets, all need to incorporate that. We, we need to incorporate it, but uh, you know, there's, there's, there's caveats there as well about cooking with it. So keep one thing. Well, yeah, we can talk smoke points of all types of oils. And when you smoke, when you smoke an oil, smoke points, when you heat an oil up high enough so that you see the smoke coming up, mm-hmm. you can see the, or you throw the onions in there and they're and the pan yeah, goes crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's oxidizing the oil. That's introducing oxygen into the oil so that now it's rancidified. So now it's no, not, not only is it not good for you, um, it actually might contribute to some forms of uh, disease over time. So extra virgin olive oil, E-V-O-O, is very rich in polyphenols. It's another thing to try to get organic because they do spray these things uh, a lot in, in, in the mass uh, production uh, harvest uh, fields. Um, so... It's really healthy for you. You don't necessarily want to cook with it beyond 400 degrees, probably even 350, 360, some experts say. So that's not your wok and frying pan. What we're talking about is drizzling it over your salad or maybe even you know, um, you know, some gluten-free bread, you know, dipping it into that. There's actually an oil, however, that's even healthier in my opinion, not my opinion, the opinion of all the researchers and experts around this topic is, and it's not easy to get, but you can find it here uh, in North America is uh, red, and it's gotta be sustainable, sustainable red palm fruit oil. Wow! It's not the palm fruit, the yellow stuff that you get mm. in snack foods at all. It's red, it's actually very deeply red. And yes, it has some saturated fats in it, but actually what science knows now is that saturated fats do not contribute to heart disease. That was a whole, let's debunk that, you know, in two seconds, okay. it does not contribute. To, but what's found in this redness is uh, beta carotene carotenoids, uh, that I talked about in egg yolk, for example, but also a really potent ingredient called tocotrienols, super brain healthy, super important for uh, antioxidation or, 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 or quelling the oxidative stress and free radicals from an environment of you know, pollution and you know, stress, emotional or physical, and we're dealing with all these all the time. Uh, so, so sustainable, red palm fruit oil. Now the smoke point in this, in this stuff is also uh, above 500 degrees, mm. Kev. Okay, so that should be good for cooking. All right, we're gonna leave the grocery store <clears throat> and let's talk about something else that's very important for mood, and that is movement. Uh, in other words, exercise. And that is gonna be a hard sell because we need much more than most of us are willing to do. So, you know, m- my rule of thumb. I hate that term, by the way. You know where that term comes from, rule of thumb? <laughs> no. So if your thumb, as an instructor or a teacher, if your thumb was yeah. this thick, you were allowed to take a, a punishment stick um, <laughs> and, so, and, and, and whip a, a kid with yeah. it, right? So if it, if it was thicker than the, th- the teacher's thumb, it was, it was too big to use as a uh, punishment t- tool. Anyway, wow. it's, it's, nice. it's, in my, it's in my lexicon <laughs> and it's hard to get rid of, but that's a, we digress. Uh, so, so generally speaking, when it comes to exercise, I want folks to understand a few things. Like we are, we have evolved to not only um, do well from exercise, but to require it. So that is to say, if you don't, you are, are speeding up your, you know, trend toward demise. Just that's, you know, so we, we've heard about lifespan, the number of years you'll clock on this planet. Um, now we're becoming more aware and more familiar with health span, the number of years you live on the planet well. And if I could put up into a pill exercise and have you take it, anyone, I mean, take that pill, we're probably curing, not just resolving, curing 80% of what ails us. Because, you know, what we're dealing with right now in this crazy pandemic era is probably secondary to obesity, diabetes, and heart disease. So these three things here, they're all driven primarily from sedentariness. So now that whole speech out of the way, my rule of thumb is sweat. If you're not getting to the point of panting, like if you can have a conversation with somebody on the phone uh, or in that room where you're exercising, you're not pushing hard enough. And if you're not sweating, you're not pushing hard enough. So typically these two things, that panting and sweating takes at least half an hour. That's the government's recommendations for guys our age, okay? Mm-hmm. 
half an hour. Now, what I say about the government recommendations, I said you should double them. Should be, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So my general recommendation is one hour, Kev, every day. Every day. And walking counts. Bryce, Brisk walking. Bryce, I'm not going to do that. I know we need to do it. I know we have to do it. I'm not going to do it. I, 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 so I'm sorry. So here's my argument. Because so, so whenever anyone ever tells me that, uh, I say there's no, this is a no excuse policy. This is an, I, I'm not going to play to those individuals who try to pr pretend like they don't have the time. Because uh, sleep is key. Sleep is key to mental health and overall physical health and well-being. But even if you had to wake up an extra half an hour earlier, I would say cut sleep for exercise. All right. Now, our bodies irrefutably are meant to push, pull, jump and squat and lift. That's what they're meant to do and walk. And so you're going to walk and you're going to walk briskly. Here's the deal, though. The science also shows us you don't have to do this whole hour in a row, which is the good news. And if you're even sitting down and watching television, Kev, or listening to your favorite podcast, which should be The Happy, happy Molecule, um, and, or you're listening to an audio book, all right, you can go from sitting to standing and sitting again and standing again. And guess what that is? That is squatting. That's a squat. Yeah. So who there's no so if you did that squatting uh, replication, you know, to the point of five minutes, mm -hmm. and then you got on the floor and you did a few push-ups. And by the way, it could be push-ups full body, it could be a plank, it could be you know on your knees. That's a push. So now you've squatted and you've pushed. What else are we meant to do? We're meant to lift. And why are all these things important? Because you know, out the grocery store, and you got to lift the groceries into the car. And you don't want to injure yourself. Because injuries plague humanity, especially low back injuries. The number one reason we go to the doctor and for painkillers usually, which doesn't resolve the actual back problem. The number one killer, I talked about diabetes, heart disease, obesity, let's throw cancer in there. The number one killer that kills us more than all four of those combined in the world, and we're talking about crossing over all ethnicities and nationalities, is frailty. Mm. We die more from frailty than all those diseases combined. What's going to thwart that frailty and add to health span over just lifespan? Exercise. So I'm sorry. I can't hear you. In fact, I'm just going to go la, 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 la. <laughs> if you tell me you don't have half an hour in your day to push, pull, jump, squat, and lift, and then also do a walk. All I'm asking is to get to the point in each of those little regimens, whether it's 10 minutes you're doing at a time, or a whole half an hour at a time, you pant. That means cardio, aerobic activities up, and you sweat. Sweating is also very important for detoxification, Kev. Okay, let's move on now to the all-important supplements, vitamins, things we need to add to our diet. And, you know, you stand there at the, the supplement aisle, and it boggles your mind how many different things there are, how many different things you are told you have to take. So let's talk about mental health. What should I be looking for? What should I be absolutely sure of that I'm taking? Yeah. So this is my area of utmost expertise. Mm -hmm. And so let me start by just admitting that many supplement aisles and certain specialty stores and supplement stores even boggle my mind. <laughs> um, there's a number of criteria that you have to be armed with unless, and by the way, I don't represent any particular brand. I am chief innovations at a company called brain armor, which manufacture, uh, vegan omega three fatty acids, uh, some of the best, most bioavailable, um, on the planet, which was so good for our brain DHA and so forth. Uh, so that's absolute transparency, <clears throat> but I also have done a lot of work with the ingredient suppliers. Uh, that manufacture for the consumer uh, facing brands. So I know for me, what's most important is what's on the label in these supplements. And also that they're not uh, trying to dupe you, the consumer, by pixie dusting, by adding just a faddish or a real sort of popular ingredient that people might come to learn about, but at doses that are under uh, therapeutic, meaning they're not going to really do anything for you. Now, I keep hearing the word theanine over and over and over again Right. when, when it comes to mental health. Right. So there's theanine, yeah. but the ingredient, stun theanine, which is made by Tayo in Japan, is the only finished ingredient that so many other brands use, not just this brand, that actually has over 90 human clinical trials behind it, that to your point just now, 
improves focus, attention, alertness, concentration, alpha wave, okay, alpha wave, which is you in a more relaxed state, in a focused, not sedative, focused, relaxed state. Meditation, and I don't mean to the point of a Buddhist monk, but just simply deep breathing for 10 minutes a day is very healthy for you. But why it's healthy is because you're shifting your brain into alpha wave. Why not boost that by taking a simple evidence-based safe ingredient, Santini, right? So that's what I'm, so this will biohacker boost that uh, alpha wave, get you sleeping better, which we all need and have a more focused and alert, by the way, four or sorry, five of those 90 plus clinical trials were done on children. That's how safe this is. And it, what it showed is it improved their ADHD symptoms, attention deficit hyperactivity, and gave them better sleep, which fed back into how much better they were for their uh, ADHD symptoms. What else do we need? So I've really been doing my due diligence in the CBD space. Mm. I mean, this has just been over the top, popularized. It's almost to the point of, I would just say it's a fad, but there is some really great evidence. If you're going to take CBD or cannabidiol from hemp, it doesn't have to come from cannabis. It's not the THC. It's not psychedelic. It's not going to influence, uh, it's not going to give you a high. Okay. But CBD has been well evidenced to manage anxiety and give you a much better sleep. It's also been studied in, uh, you know, helping uh, individuals uh, going through uh, cancer in some studies. So <clears throat> the reason I'm talking about it with you is because I really do feel it might contribute to um, a, a feeling of Zen or balance in a lot of folks with anxiety and depression, not to replace your medication. Always talk to your doctor or pharmacist before starting any supplements. But at the end of the day, this might work. What about cannabis? I'm not, I'm not a fan of smoking it. Um, I am not just talking about a personal experience. I'm talking about even what I love it for individuals who are moving through chemotherapy. The science is richest there. Mm -hmm. I don't think you need THC, which has psychoactive properties um, as much as uh, folks need CBD or cannabidiol. So tetrahydrocannabidiol is THC. Cannabidiol or CBD is without the tetrahydro on there. Therefore, it doesn't cause that psychoactive response. Um, is, is, is it harmful? Probably not. But anything that alters state of mind um, or puts you into a different, you know, altered state of consciousness. You know, by the way, I am, however, a fan of temporary altered states of consciousness to sort of induce an overall mind shift. So if, if folks out there listening to this haven't yet read it, highly recommend the Michael Pollan book how to change your mind. And also a really cool documentary. I think I've pointed this one out to you in the past as well. Um, all about uh, funguses and the work of uh, you know, Paul Stamets, uh, Michael Pollan's featured in the film, uh, my good friend, Dr. Andrew Weil, who did a lot of his preliminary research. He's the Harvard grad, who's the granddaddy of alternative medicine, big, big, big bearded guy, did a lot of his preliminary research on, um, on uh, mushrooms. And, and so psilocybin, mark my words, Kevin, psilocybin and microdosing LCD, uh, LCD, LSD, <laughs> microdosing <Yeah>. LSD, <laughs> microdosing, microdosing. So we're not LSD. talking about dropping acid. We're talking about microdosing. Bingo. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, the research, the, the jury's still out, but I think it's going to be the next big thing whereby you might only have to take a single dose of psilocybin and have a quote unquote trip or experience. Does that mean, let's go back to the grocery store. Does that mean we should be buying more mushrooms and putting mushrooms into our diet? So we're not going to get psilocybin out of button mushrooms, brown mushrooms, shiitake mushrooms, mataki mushrooms, yeah. oyster mushrooms. But I love mushrooms. I don't really think there's any health benefit, by the way, to the button mushrooms or the white mushrooms. But do include a lot more shiitake or mataki uh, or Asian, let's call it. Let's group it into okay. Asian mushrooms. They all have a couple of ingredients in them, uh, one in which I've been studying for a long time called AHCC or active hexose uh, complex compound. And this is bar none, one of the most effective immune enhancing ingredients that I know of. And they use it in Japan for uh, cancer treatment. Wow, okay. Um, all right, just before we leave supplements, let's talk about the multivitamin. Let's talk about what we need day to day. Do we need a multivitamin? So, so one size fits all is out. First of all, what they've always got wrong is the dosings. That's a perfect example of pixie dusting. Don't love a multi because really what it's doing for you, it's not doing much more for you than 
You have somebody who admits they don't eat enough fruits and vegetables that at least seven to 10 servings of both all the colors of the rainbow every single day. Um, and it's a, it's a patchwork, you know, if you like patchwork, you're just sort of maybe taking care of some areas where you might become deficient. Uh, you know, in this time, uh, as it pertains to the pandemic, et cetera, a multivitamin will do nothing for you. Um, what we need is about 4,000, probably more, but talk to your doctor, the Council of Responsible Nutrition puts out lists for high therapeutic end, but ultimately safe. So the safest, highest therapeutic end of vitamin D uh, that we know about, just sort of a blanket statement for everybody is 4,000 IU a day. I personally take 20,000 IU every other day. That's just what I do because I check my levels as well. Mm -hmm. Most of us are deficient. So, you know, thousands of milligrams a day, or we talk to about bowel tolerance for vitamin C. So when we're talking about what's in a multi, we're talking about vitamin A, think of a deck of cards, the aces, okay? The aces, in vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin E, and selenium, that's in there, plus a B complex. So B1, B2, B3, B5, B6, B12, folic acid. And then often they'll throw in D, but again, these are such small amounts of a whole bunch of little, you know, different things that do the 3S model, Kev, you're going to get way more vitamins and minerals by having a shake, a soup, and, uh, and a salad. Salad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, just one last thing, and I want to talk about something that's so important for our mental health, and we know that, but I want you to explain why it's so important, and that is the breathing. Whether it's a breathing exercise, whether it's meditation, whatever it is, you know, our body takes care of our breathing. It does it whether or not we have, you know, it, it, we just don't influence it usually. So what are we doing and why is it important? We spend most of our days in fight or flight, adrenal dominance, which means sympathetic mode. So there's parasympathetic mode uh, to the, uh, to the, to the uh, nervous system. And then there's parasympathetic mode. So evolutionarily, we used to exist the majority of our day in parasympathetic mode. Sympathetic mode kicked in when you're off, you know, hunting and gathering and chasing, you know, animals. You're, you're, you're in, often running from animals, fight or flight. So that's the millions and millions and millions of years that our bodies have evolved. So now fast forward to the last maybe you know, since industrial age, but let's call it even more so the last maybe few hundred years. It's go. It's, you know, beyond survival of the fittest, the unfit survive because of medical advancement. So you, you add that to the mix, but really what the sort of modern day version of the saber tooth tiger is that deadline or the phone call or the, or the, or the business uh, opportunity. So that keeps us along with, by the way, too much of this, uh, that keeps us in fight or flight, adrenaline dominance. So when we're pushing so much adrenaline all of the time, our breath gets dysregulated. Okay. So what happens when you run or fight or flight, when you're in battle or you're running away from danger? Panting. So what panting. panting does or irregular breath and not the full, it's called diaphragmatic excursion, the long deep breath long, where deep you hold breath. and out through pursed lips doesn't happen very often. So we actually have to do it almost like an exercise so that our bodies and our hearts and our brains pick up on the fact that, oh, maybe I'm not chronically running from an animal or in fear or in predominantly adrenaline state. And, so, and, and so that, and this is something I didn't know, is it, so that holding is as important as the breathing in, breathing out. I'll tell you why. You hit it. You hit it right on the nail on the head. Here's why. The heart, which sits above the diaphragm and in amongst the lungs, actually, it's in enveloped you know, by the lung. Yeah. The heart has a rhythmicity about it, Okay. It's called heart rate variability. And so the more invariable it is, so it's, if it's always going lub-dub, 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 that's sending signals to your brain. In fact, the heart sends more signals to your brain than your brain sends to your heart. But here's what gets really interesting. If you're constantly breathing the same rate, that's not adding a lot of variability to the way the heart is beating. And when there's not a lot of variability to the way the heart is beating, the heart tells the brain, we must be in fight or flight. Okay. Now, guess what happens when you do that hold, right? So you breathe in okay. deeply and then you hold and then you breathe out through pursed lips and you do that whole thing again and you relax yourself. What, what's your heart doing? Here's how your heart sounds. Lub dub, 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 lub dub. That is a lot of variability. 
when there's variability, your heart tells your brain, everything's going to be all right. So you're actually triggering your parasympathetic nervous system. You actually are taking, literally taking control of something that usually controls us. Bingo. And who can't do that, right? So here's the trick. In through your nose for a count of five. Not five seconds, but count five as you're breathing in through mm -hmm. your nose. Hold that really deep breath in your lungs for a count of seven. And then through pursed lips, breathe out for a count of eight. Do that for about four or five cycles. No more, because you don't want to get lightheaded and all that. Mm -hmm. But any, as many times as you want throughout the day, but do that for four or five cycles. You will saturate oxygen, feel good, have a mood boost, and just like you pointed out, enter into parasympathetic st uh, states, like pushing the big red reset button. I've had, you know, I've had, I've, I've had one experience in my life. You were there in the room, uh, in the studio, where I had a panic attack. Mm -hmm. And I realized later what was the inducement. It was lots of stress, too much coffee that morning, but also taking a supplement that had something in it called an adrenal extract. This is a glandular pork rind organic adrenal. And, you know, go figure, of all people, me, didn't read the label. I just saw, you know, stress supported. And I was like, oh, I'm going to take that today before going on air. So all of that combination caused me to have a panic attack. So I know, speaking from experience, what this feels like. But I also know the literature that says this breathing technique will pull you out of a panic attack faster or at least as fast as a classification of drugs called benzodiazepines. Mm, which we all have heard of. Yep. And they are, yeah. um, you know, like lorazepam, for example. And uh, they're very addictive. And, um, you know, breathing is, is free. And if it's just as or more, um, just as or more effective, then I'm always going to go the natural root cap. I'm not saying the benzodiazepines are something that, you know, no one should take. They have their time and place. But geez, if everyone just breathed more like this and made it a point, whether, you know, they're in their car and they're experiencing road rage or about to deliver, you know, um, a, a speech in front of people and they get nervous, this will ground you. Do you know, I did some reading a few years back. I was curious as to why we sigh, why we go, <sighs> and you know, it, 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 it's funny because as the more research I did, the more I found that researchers themselves are still not 100% sure why. However, one of the leading thoughts was that when we do that, we're actually defibbing or stopping our heart for a, a split second and hitting reset. So yeah. it, it really struck me as though we're sighing for good reason. It's kind of like, okay, you know what? I'm going to start over here. Because a lot, of people, a lot of people think that when they shock your heart, they're starting your heart. They're not starting your heart. They're literally stopping your stopping heart. Stopping it. Bingo. Yeah, you're right on. You're, you're absolutely 100%. We're on the same page. The same thing with a yawn, by the way. A yawn, oh. a yawn might be the antithesis of a sigh. So if you're overly relaxed or you're overly sedated, a, a yawn might be engaging the, or the sympathetic system to come on, like get started already. Ah, which is why we do it when we're tired. Right. A lot, yeah. All right. Um, myunity.com. Let's spell that. That's M Y M M U N I T Y.com. That is your website. Uh, it's, it's brand new. It is something that's very exciting. And it's something that's very personal as well. Now, I'm going to say right off the top, I'm not getting paid for this. This is not a sponsored uh, show at all yet. Um, and, but I believe in my friend Bryce. Uh, and so my immunity, tell me about that. Well, thanks, Kev. I, uh, I started this company on the heels of another company called Nutrients that I developed, which looks at GN the DNA, your genetics, and then designs you personalized nutrition or supplements based on your DNA. But what I found was a lot of folks, you know, that was, didn't reach the masses. It's doing very well, thank goodness. But um, it, it, it involves a lot of barrier to entry, like where you have to take your saliva, and send it off to mm -hmm. McGill University. And then six weeks later, the results come in and then we got to interpret them for you, et cetera. So, <clears throat> I mean, this is amazing. It's sort of like the you know top tier of what you could do to personalize using DNA. But the majority of the population really want um, personalization through online assays or questions that are informed very strategically. So this is out of the Utrecht uh, University in Netherlands, along with my 20 years of clinical experience, where we have a line of questions, very simple, takes you three minutes to fill out, that informs us how your immune system works. Then we actually design based on your body size and your dosing uh, regimen, getting that accurate. Because think about it for a second. You and I wouldn't take the same dose 
as a four foot nothing female. I mean, that makes no sense. So we dose out personalized for you. The ingredients are personalized for you in the way that your immune system functions. And you get your own uh, bottle of supplements with your name on it to your front door within five to seven business days. And let's, let's be right up front. This is not free. Uh, the questionnaire is free, correct? But 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 the 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 bottles that come to you uh, once a month, they're not free. But you know what? You as you say, this is an investment in your health. And if you're going to be spending, you know, fifty, sixty bucks a month in supplements and vitamins anyway, so ballpark this for me as far as as what cost. Yeah. Might so be. here's what's really interesting as it pertains to cost. You know, all, we're using best in class ingredients that I've vetted myself. So they often are much more expensive. We talked earlier in the show about professional line supplements. So those are almost always, you know, at least one and a half, two times the average amount for direct or the uh, over the counter uh, in your local uh, pharmacy or health food store, certainly a lot <clears throat> more expensive than, you know, Amazon or iHerb or something. Mm -hmm. So when we got the quality right and the dosing right, what we realized is with this personalized sort of compounding just for you scenario, we're actually saving people about 50 to a, sometimes uh, more percent of the cost of their average regimen. So here's what everyone's taking. And if they're not, they should be. Everyone's generally taking vitamin D and omega-3 fatty acid. They're taking probiotics. They're often taking a B complex. And as sometimes you mentioned, a, a multivitamin. You look at the cost of all those together, you're looking at between 80 and $100 for the lower end, uh, more than that if they're a higher uh, quality. So we come in for all of the ingredients you might need, there might be 15, there might be 20 ingredients, depending on how many ingredients you get, the price changes obviously, but we're coming in between 80 and let's say at the highest end, $150 uh, a month, Kev. All right, Bryce, thank you very much for this. Always, always interesting. So myimmunity.com and uh, your, your other website is uh, wildonhealth.com. Yeah, you got it. And by the way, I should say on the latter, thanks so much for the My Immunity plug. I appreciate it. Um, the the wildonhealth.com has over 700,000 pages of free searchable information on nutrition, um, recipes, uh, supplements. But I think probably the most I'm proud of the, the, uh, the, you know, the many, many thousands of pages, again, free, where people can search what they're taking medically prescription wise, um, and whether or not there might be any interactions with herbs or supplements, natural medicines. So there's a supplement drug interaction list. There's a supplement supplement interaction list. Um, and folks can look that up for free and be safer, Kev. All right, Bryce Wild, thank you for this. Thank you, sir. Please consider subscribing to this podcast and also check out the Happy Molecule Extra at thehappymolecule.com. There you'll find a link to a video version of this episode. Be able to join the conversation about mental health, learn about our Facebook Live show, and get a preview of upcoming episodes. You can email us at thehappymolecule at gmail.com. I'm Erin Davis, wishing you good mental health. <laughs>